of the Kalika Memorial Podcast. Welcome to Shoeless Reads, which is me, Shoeless, from the Sacramento Mad Popes, where I read as part of the Brewster Baseball League Brewster Podcasting Network. I read Brewster and Amoeba team news articles every week or sim or month, depending on how ambitious I feel. Let's move on to our first team news. Starting off, Atlantic Division, Aaron Wiener, Rockville Pikeman. Sticking points, 2049.4. Dan and Pepper finishes runner-up in Sawyer Silk. For those stat heads who thought that Dan and Pepper was a shoe-in for the Sawyer Silk Award last year, well, don't just stand there. Bustamante, as in Pedro Bustamante. I see what you did there. That wasn't one of your best, Aaron. Who knocked out Pepper in one of the closest votes in BBA history. No other player garnered a first-place vote. Not even a Phoenix... Play- Wait. Not even a Phoenix player? Huh. The- well, okay, I know who I'm reading next. Anyway, moving on. And only for second place, and only four second-place votes went astray. But Bustamante was just a little ahead of Pepper when the dust cleared. Quote, I'm personally more disappointed we didn't get to the Brewster. But I'm a little disappointed that I didn't get the hardware. Yeah, said Pepper. I knew in my heart I was the best player in the BBA, in the BBA last year. End quote. Pepper's season was historical for sure if you measure by war. By that metric, it was the fifth best season by a second baseman in BBA history. Second in the non-cricket pocket category. It was the 34th highest total of all time and the largest war score in 15 seasons. The only years where a person above Pepper on the leaderboard didn't win the Sawyer Silk was 20, 2005 and 2031, where two players in the same league did it. Jared Gilstrom and Puckett would win in those years. It's not just his offense that was incredible, said Rockville manager Denny Dooley. He was the best defensive second baseman in the league by a mile. We're all kind of outraged he didn't get the award. Bustamante did have an outstanding season, however. His 1.107 OPS was the 20th highest mark in league history, and he did it in a year where offense was way down. And he did it for a San Antonio team that finished 10th in offense and 10 games below 500. So he wasn't, oh, excuse me, so he was on an island. Jeez, nothing like rubbing salt. <laughs> Just kidding, that was my joke. That was not Aaron's joke. Anyway, Pepper, on the other hand, see what I did there, salt and pepper. Anyway, Pepper, on the other hand, was a leader of the best offense in the JL and finished high on the leaderboard everywhere he could be expected to qualify and showed fire and bravado in talking about the Soiler, the Sawyer Wilk. I think that was a misspelling. I'm just going to go with it. The Sawyer Wilk. Listen, uh, excuse me, quote, listen, I'm still one of only a handful of players in the history of the league to have a season that rounds up to 10 war, said Pepper. My name's on the leaderboards now. I'm just 27 years old and I'm hoping to have a lot of spots on those leaderboards. This isn't the last time you'll hear from me. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, anyway, thank you, Aaron. All right, moving on. I must go to Phoenix to figure out why there was no awards voting. 
first place for the Silk for a Talon this year. Phoenix Talons. Jiminy Hopkins. 2048-0006. Talons continue awards voting. Boycott. Talons get eliminated. Talons meet team news minimum. Jeez, November 2nd. This is from a long time ago, but now oh well. Phoenix, Arizona, Tagline. Once again, the Talons front office has boycotted the awards voting process, but not in the way you might think. Quote, we refuse to vote for our own guys anymore because the team is steaming heap of crap, end quote. A front office source said, quote, we used to give all our guys homer votes. You know, if they're on the ballot, then we vote for them, but not anymore. None of them deserve it. None of them will win anyway. So we'll just vote for the hitters with the most home runs, the pitchers with the most wins, relievers with the most saves, and fielders with the best zone rating. Aside, isn't that what we're supposed to do? I, I, maybe I've been doing it wrong all this time because I think I read that in sarcasm. Okay, moving on. And if it happens to one of our guys, we just skip right over them. Yes, even Pedro Guzman and Warrington Gillette. Worthless bums, end quote. Also, the Talons got eliminated from the fourth wildcard spot in the Johnson League on the final weekend of the season for the fifth season in a row. We couldn't even get a quote for this angle because the entire front office has already cleared out and gone home for the winter. And finally, the Talons have once again met the team news minimum to remain in good standing in the BBA for another year. Word around the Talons electronic media and forum posting department is that the club doesn't have any future plans to try the probation stunt again anytime soon because it really didn't get as much attention as they were hoping for. So all that remains is to just grudgingly meet the requirements year in and year out. Use the points for the annual reliever conversion and overall just try not to care too much. Because if we care too much, we get depressed. Go Talons! Thank you, sir, for that amazing write-up. Moving on to the Heartland Division. Author, Ron Collins. Yellow Springs 9. 49.069 questions. Number four, is Rule 5 simply a plot to screw the Yellow Springs 9? Reading. Yellow Springs fans have been taking to social media and virtual reality havens. All right, pause. Um... Pretty sure Yellow Spring fans are not smart enough to use social media or virtual reality. That's an aside. Yellow Spring fans have been taking to social media and virtual reality havens to basically cry the BBA's fascist, socialist, libertarian, communist Rule 5 procedure in which upstanding and hardworking teams are forced to fork over players to those of lesser stature simply because they don't have room for them on the artificial construct called the 40-man roster. Quote, we're always giving away free talent, end quote, one fan complained. Quote, and we don't even get a dinner, end quote, another replied. Quote, or a ride home, end quote, continued the conversation. The last quote reads, speak for yourself, baby. Um, pause. Um, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to read that in a female voice. Let's just try it. Speak for yourself, baby. I don't even know what that was. I'm going to read it in Jaywalk's voice because I, I just feel like that's maybe where Ron was trying to, you know, go with this one. So, like, 
Crunch, crunch, crouton. Speak for yourself, baby. That's as good as I can do. Anyway, the league's Rule 5, I'm reading on here, the league's Rule 5 process has come and gone, and the Niner left, as usual, to sort through the rubble to see what's left. Fans, however, simply want to know what the damage is. We are here to help. Let's take a look at the team's losses and see what we can figure out. First loss. Starting pitcher, Cam Baramoglu, with actually a link. Uh, he went to Brooklyn. Baramoglu came to the nine recently in the trade that sent Josh Henson to Valencia. At the time, the club's front office put out vibes. That said, they saw the right-hander as a bit of a project and were expecting him to throw an A-ball. He posted a 5.43 ERA in 71 innings with the Valencia Short A Club, so that made some sense. Brooklyn swept him up and will presumably attempt to ride out what will almost certainly be a very tough year for the 21-year-old Turk in hopes that the development fairy comes along or at least doesn't take a big bite out of Baramugla. Baramuglu. Baramaglu. Barometer glue. The, the Robins appear to be a fairly major rebuild and can take the chance, we suppose. Bottom line, we'd suggest, actually, bottom line, we'd guess that Brooklyn GM Bed Herring will not be returning the guy with the last name that starts with B. From the Nines view, is this a loss? Yes, of course. It's a chunk of possible future value that they acquire in return for a solid major league pitcher. At best, it's a weird self-inflicted fumble to take a guy swept up in the Rule 5 draft as return on Henson. That said, Henson probably had to go for financial reasons, and the club wouldn't have dealt him if there were replacements in the wing. So as damage goes, it's probably only a flesh wound. It's not probably, it's merely a, jeez, watch a Monty Python video. Come on, Ron. Anyway, moving on. Next loss, relief pitcher. Doug Cabell to Charm City. I just realized I actually couldn't pronounce Doug. It's Doug Campbell, and I mispronounced it, which is my own name. So if that'll give you any uh, level of my personal intelligence. Okay, here we go. At 23 years old, Campbell was a bit buried in the nine organizational chart, and he'd moved from A to AA last year and posted some very nice numbers, 1.16 ERA in 31 innings. At... The end of the day, his ability to stick with Charm City would probably depend on his walk rate, which made good strides by the end of the year. If things work out well, we'd see him being a useful piece of the back end of the bullpen. Charm City seems to be in limbo land on trying to win now and rebuild at the same time. We shall see what they do with Campbell. Looking at the collection of arms they already have, though, one wonders if Campbell might be coming back to the ninefold. We'll give it a 50-50 shot at present. Maybe 60% that the Jimmies keep him around. I wish, actually, aside here, um, I think a really a chart or a pie graph or something would have made the reading of this team news a little better. Um, that was just a shout-out to Ron. I mean, come on. Okay, moving on. The loss will likely impact the nine to at least a bit of a degree, mostly because they've taken the tack of stocking the miners with a plethora of arms and hoping to ride a robust development system and keep the parent club filled with big league arms. Campbell throws 98 and keeps that, keeps that ball mostly in the park. So what's not to like? Team insiders expected he'd find value with the Yellow Springs 9, but probably not until 2051. Give or take. Next loss. Wilson Ben... Wilson... Wilson Banditelli... Wilson Banditelli, 
Banditelli. Banditelli is a Venezuelan. I was not thinking he was Venezuelan. I was for sure he was Italian. That's a good Venezuelan name, Banditelli. Banditelli is a Venezuelan who pitched effectively in both A and AA ball last year. He throws 100 miles per hour, which will always draw attention, but scouts generally leave sessions less than impressed with the overall package. That said, he's 23 and can start a little. If the numbers translate after the jump, well, we could see it almost anyway, at least after a few stiff ones. That said, we think the selection says more about San Fernando and their apparent... Oh, I forgot to mention he's going to San Fernando. Um, thanks for putting that in, Ron, so you know idiot readers like myself. that. Re- okay, that said, we think the selection says more about San Fernando and their apparently never-ending quest to find pitching that it does about than it does about Benditelli. Team insiders say he was unlikely to ever start in Willow Springs and that there was a general conversation rolling around the executive suite regarding the value of pushing him into the bullpen full-time. One wonders if that's on the Bears' mind. That said, the propensity to give up long balls in Chico's Bayo Bonds field has to give one pause. I guess what we're saying is that there's a not unrealistic chance that Banditelli will return to the nines fold. If he doesn't, we're not sure fans will miss him. Next loss. Jesus, you lost a lot of guys. Brian Longstaff to oh geez, Las Vegas. The Hustler's selection of Longstaff is the most intriguing loss of the bunch. The guy has been on a very long and slow development path since being drafted in the 2045 class. Never post... Let's look at this guy. All right, let's go look at him. Oh, he's got a potential... Uh, 55 potential reliever, 12.76 potential... And potential 10-10 cutter and curve that are both currently at 8. And this guy looks pretty good. All right, back. He was drafted in the 2045 class, never posting a array less than 6.41 in three minor league seasons and rarely budging the development needle until this past season. Despite being 25, geez, he's 25, scouts will still love, love his top side. The club almost expected to lose him because they figured some team would be willing to take the hit in 2049 performance in order to see if that top side would flesh in. Facts are facts, after all. Unless scouts are just wacky, the 775 current ratings on his chart, <laughs> said chart say that Longstaff won't get BBA hitters out at all. That makes it odd that Las Vegas, of all teams, decided to draft him. Can Vegas give away a roster spot in 2049? The answer is, well, um, oh, good lord. Uh, the answer is, well, um, maybe. Let's just say, however, that I'm happy to have Duran returned by April in the office pool. Barring injury, I'm not sure I can see him making club on performance, and the frontier is too competitive to let the Hustlers leave him to rot for a season. Stranger things have happened, though. Maybe Longstaff will get smitted. Smited? Smoten. Oh, I'll, I'll read it like Ron wrote. Maybe Longstaff will get smitted or smotten? I love making up words on the fly. With the rod of big stuff growth and be worth the gamble. Moving on. Oh, this is the last guy. Okay, five guys. Last guy. Second baseman, John Weaver. Two, the Boise Spuds. Weaver was in a weird limo. Bit available for Rule 5 and waived. Oh. Weaver was in a weird limo, but available for Rule 5 and waived. As a right-hand bat with limited power... It was kind of odd to see him in the in the DH role for the nine last year. And to be direct, we're guessing he won't be there again this season. So when Boise selected him, it made some sense. The guy can contribute somewhere, and the Spuds are trying to get their acts together. Let's take a look quick at John Weber here. All right, he's basically a 7-7-3-7-8 guy almost across the board. He's a right-handed hitter. Um, 
fielding wise, he's five range, 11 air, four arm, and a 10 uh, turn double play um, infield wise. He is gonna be like a poor range second baseman. He'll make the play if he can get there. Um, otherwise, he's a pretty legit first baseman. Or like Iran said, he's a second baseman. But for a first baseman, he doesn't hit enough. Second baseman, he'll hit mm, okay, but not okay. Back to the reading portion of the show. All right. The guy can contribute somewhere, and the Spuds are trying to get their acts together. Of course, the club returned Weber immediately. So there's that. The most unsurprising guy gets selected, gets returned first. Life is weird, right? The future is uncertain, of course, but sitting here in January, I expect Weber will spend some time in Indianapolis with the possibility of being used as injury replacement. So there we have it. The damage done. Five players, one already returned. It's rule five, of course, so we're not taking mega stars. But the club did lose a couple workable prospects in Burma Maglu. Hi, I said that pretty good. And Campbell. Benditelli is a bit of a wild card, and Longstaff is likewise. Ignoring the total unfairness of the system, that lets weaker teams eat of the edges of our glorious and good ball club, we admit, to being intrigued to watch all these guys actually perform in the big leagues. Good luck to them all. It is, after all, not their fault that they play in a world that is so full of such unjust practices. Thank you, Ron, for that amazing team news. In the Amoeba, Scottsdale Joe, Cairo, Pharaohs, Nile Natterings, 2049, number five, the beginnings of free agency. Cairo offseason and free agent activity by Kepi Kepri Karashi, Egypt Today Sports, December 20th, 2048. Cairo entered the offseason with about $20 million in cash available for free agents. That is somewhat misleading, however, as the team has closer to $11 million free because of the Amoeba's salary cap. The rumored team plan is to sign about $10 million in talent, keeping the payroll just under the salary cap. Here's what has happened so far. Former Phoenix and Baghdad reliever Julio Sabas has signed a two-year deal for $1.7 million per season. Hopefully he will shore up the bullpen, one of Cairo's weakest links. Let's take a look at Servas. 11-4-7, 11 fastball, 6 slider, 34 years old. Interesting. Last season, he posted. Where was he? Cairo last season, 2.48 ERA in 16 innings. Heck yeah, man. Live it up. The team's best reliever last year, Lucio Gomez, has signed a one-year extension for $1.7 million, so he'll be around to the end of 2050. Infielder Rodrigo, Rodrigo Rios, dude was a Sacramento mad pope. Hold on, i got to look at this guy. Infielder, yeah, yeah, that's right, defensive guy, 9-10-9-7 infielder. When did I have him? Sorry for the aside, everybody. 44 and 45. I got him from Charm City. Who the heck did I? Why did I get him from Charm City? Charm City in exchange for starting pitcher Gilberto Trejo. Let's see Gilberto. Oh, Gilberto is currently washing cars down at the Honda dealership. He's currently a 6.53 with that money. Seven fastball. Tops out at 93. Pipe in miles an hour. 
Boy, he can wash vehicles. Back to the read. Maybe. Okay. Infielder Rodrigo Rios has signed a minor league contract, but has already been assigned to the 40-man roster. He will earn $900,000 if promoted prior to day 30 of the regular season. I expect to see him in a Kyrie uniform on opening day. He provided superb defense at second, short, or third, and has good leadership skills. He has prior experience in BA with both, hey, hey, it got named, with both Sacramento and Louisville. Outfielder Wes Grieve has also signed a minor league contract and has and already been assigned to the 40-man roster. He will earn 750k as a result of his addition to the 40-man roster. Expect to see him, too, in a Kyrie uniform on opening day. Hardworking, adaptable, and smart. He can play all three outfield positions. He has limited prior experience in BBA with both Yellow Springs and Boise when he failed to hit big league pitching with any authority. Desperately in need of a dependable closer after, wow, 17 blown saves last year. That's more than 16. Hey, um, the front office chatted with Jerusalem GM Ben Teague about the possibility of acquiring Jerusalem closer Jan Chmelik. Jan, C-H-M-E-L-Y, Jan Chmelik. GM John Gagan was quoted as saying, We were close to a deal, as close as you can get. But Jerusalem decided the, the guy I named before was too good to give up. We'll continue to look elsewhere. Trades in Amoeba are nigh and impossible, nigh or impossible to successfully negotiate. Wrap it. Links provided for your convenience by the Association of Information. God, do I? I'm going to click this link. Association for Information Systems, and I'm going to get Rickrolled. No, it's actually Journal of the Association for. I'm not reading this, but interesting nonetheless. And moving on, Pacific Division, Valencia Stars, Morris, Santa Clara, Santa Clarita Valley Journal, forty nine point oh one, Stars, twenty forty eight review, part one, the off season. Santa Clarity Valley Journal, Vicente Lamb, Sports Reporter, oh, excuse me, Stars Reporter, December 11th, 2048, Valencia. The past Brewster season saw the Stars continue their slow and steady rise from the depths of 45, finishing with a record of 78 and 84, eight wins better than the year prior. This was the first full year under a new management team, led by club president Morris Reglan, who came to Valencia from Amoeba's Beirut Cedars. Off-season moves were a mixed bag, with the team making what would be its biggest moves via trade and the Rule 5 draft. In December, the team chose Lee Stone with the ninth pick of the Rule 5 draft. Let's take a look at Stone real quick. Sorry, I'm just reading this as I read it to you. So, fan Whoa, he looks pretty decent. Left fielder, Lee Stone. Uh, looks like he can be actually a good hitter. He's a right-handed hitter, 8-9-8-7-8 against lefties and righties. Actually, just righties. He's got one little bit. Less than I, pretty good, but you can't really play outfield. He's three six seven. That's a liability. So it looks like a DH type, and he can't play first whatsoever. So okay, back to the reading. In December, the team chose Lee Stone with the ninth pick of the Rule Five Draft, a low key addition that was met with some skepticism. Stone had hit well in AAA the year before, though his performance against right-handed pitching wasn't that great, 
and he had no big league experience. The team planned to play him at DH. Smart. Okay, good. Also, in December, the club would acquire journeyman second baseman Carlos Martinez in a trade with Calgary and come to terms with all-glove, no-bat, free-agent shortstop Renate Elviro. Both teams, oh, excuse me, both moves pointed toward the club's stated intent of improving team defense and were also an acknowledgement that the team felt that high-profile middle infield prospects Tom Jefferson and Yodo Sato weren't quite ready for the big league play. In January, Valencia added free agent outfielder Fernando Archuleta, late of the Bucharest club in the Amoeba, a defensive specialist. The addition gave the team one of the rangier outfields in the Frick. The biggest move of the offseason would come later on, January 27th, when the Stars traded beloved center fielder Aaron Haney to Mexico City. In return, Valencia received veteran outfielder Dennis French, starting pitcher prospects Harold Newbold and Carlton Day, both of the cusps of the big league careers, and catcher prospect Gany Berdahl. This trade, coupled with a poorly timed ticket price increase, would result in a hit to goodwill for the club among the fan race that would cast a pall over the star season. The new the need to trade Haney and his substantial salary is still a hotly debated topic among Valencia fans. The team couched the move as necessary financially, though most observers would point out that the club's financial predicament was both temporary and entirely self-inflicted. In February, the team would attempt to fill the hole at first base, signing veteran Tony Hernandez, three years removed from the All-Star turn at El Paso, and living legend David Nabaru, three years removed from making positive contribution to a big league club. In the second part of this series, we'll look at the team's on-field performance in the first half of the season. Very nice. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. I am Shoeless with the Sacramento Mad Popes. Thank you for joining me for Shoeless Reads, a podcast where I read team news articles from the Brewster and Amoeba Baseball Leagues. We'll see you next time.